What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mongols, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kev and Steve. There's been a lot of news uh, that's been released, released recently about the Hounds and the USL, and we're going to touch on all of it. But first, gentlemen, how's it going? Steve, what's new? Uh, not much, you know, just starting to feel more settled in the house. Um, Rory has gotten really comfortable uh, to the point where I've had to start putting him back in his crate because he wants to go to sleep on the couch downstairs at night. The problem with that is because he's part beagle, he howls like a banshee whenever he hears something outside. So he's done that like a couple times, like during game nights or whatnot, um, where it's fine, right? Like I'm awake. I don't want him doing that at three in the morning. So um, it, 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 it's good. Um, just that. Uh, looking forward to the long winter recess that we have at Pitt. Um, the university is giving us from the 20th on through New nice. Year's off now. Like they extended it, which is great. Like, not that I do that much work during that time anyway, but to know that it's like I don't have to check email is kind of nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And hopefully, you know, nobody you work with is listening to this and going, wait, what? He doesn't do anything over the holidays anyway? Come on. <laughs> Kev, what's going on with you? Not much. Just uh yeah, trying to make it to make it to Christmas, make it to the New Year's, keeping myself busy, running running more. So yeah. I mean the weather's you... been nice. Bar barring that crazy storm that whipped through uh, you know, Kentucky and I mean we were like central slash eastern Tennessee. Um, so we really just got like two minutes of heavy winds and rain um but uh but yeah no it's pretty wild i mean not to put a damper on everything but um but yeah no i mean we came through that fine and and uh yeah it's about all that's going on good 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 how about you uh good just you know same same thing sort of trying to get into the holiday spirit here did some gift wrapping this weekend and um, Steve, I, I, you know, I empathize with the dog situation at night. Um, our cat has started right around four fifteen every morning. Now he'll just sit at the door and just scratch at the door until somebody does something. So I decided to do something and this morning. I got a spray bottle. So when he does that tomorrow morning, I will open the door, zap him in the face and go right back to bed. And, uh, nice. we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> I'll, I'll love to see how that works. Cause with my cat, it just, it just makes him angrier. Like it doesn't do anything. <laughs> it just, he keeps going on and he doesn't stop. It's like, this isn't going to stop me, but I, I don't know. I, Mike, I've told you, I don't know how your house, I can't remember how your house is set up specifically with your bedroom, mm -hmm. but we just put like a, a cardboard trifold, like those ones in high school science fairs and just kind of block like, and just kind of push them further back. I can't do anything. It works wonderful. Do you like do wait? Hold on. Do you like walk with this thing like it's a moving wall and just like slide him <laughs> back, or do you like stand it up and he doesn't knock it over? No, I mean, I guess it, like the way like I don't know the way we're our, our place is set up. We can kind of like wedge it, so there's no like he can't like push it over, right? There's no he can't jump over it. It literally just blocks. Do this you just kind like of stick him in the corner and he's oh it's like no it's like he's the entire okay. apartment. All right. So okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm just yeah, yeah. this poor cat in this corner like all night long <laughs> now by I, some, now, you know, now I understand surface area tension science fair project from yeah. seventh grade. Now, yeah. now I understand your point. No, it, it's just it's just like there's a hallway and then bedroom. And then so we just kind of block off that hallway. He has the entire apartment that he can run around. So yeah, he's fine. So our cat, his thing is that whatever he doesn't have, that's what he wants. So if he's in our room, 
and the door is closed, he wants out. If he's out of our room and the door is closed, he wants in. And like, it doesn't matter. It's just, I want what I want when I want it. And you got an old was, cat. That's not changing. He, he's literally 16 years old, like 16 human years old, which is like 130 in like cat years. And so, um, yeah, it's for a while he was in our room and then we were like, we just can't do this anymore. Cause he was like climbing all over us and like drinking water out of plants and stuff. We were like, you're out. And now it's just this like, this scratch, 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 scratch at the door. And it's like, dude, you're killing me. Sounds like you need a pet door in the bedroom. It's like, <laughs> I'm not doing that. It's like, having a toddler again. like it's, it's literally like having a toddler again, where it's yeah. like you sleep for a few hours and then you're up and then you go back to sleep and then you're up and it's just not about that life. No, indeed. But I'm sure people didn't come here listening to, or wanting to listen about uh, cats scratching cat at doors. Tips. Cat Tips. Yeah, we're rechanging the name of the show to Cat Tips. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but uh, a few years ago, Kev, when we did our uh, like last show before the holidays, we had a bunch of special guests on. We don't have any special guests for this one. I was just sort of like <laughs> planting that seed to remind you. I think it was like Kevin Kerr was on yeah, and Toby Adewale yeah. was on. Yeah. And that, was cool. that, was, that was a good time, but we did not do that this time. So sorry for, for all of those out there who are, were hoping for some sort of big show before the end of the season. That's not going to happen. But there was a lot of stuff that is very interesting that I do want to get your guys' opinion on. And we're going to start with the fact that the Hounds uh, announced – that they've picked up the option of nine players. So, you know, we were sort of uh, saying at the end of last season, you know, we kept what it was like two or three starters from the year before we, we carried over into 2021. Now we literally have nine players and probably eight of them were consistent starters. Uh, Armstrong being the only one who wasn't really a consistent starter. So just to run through the list for those who haven't seen it, Dixon and Cicerone are back as forwards. Uh, Todd Wharton and Kenny Forbes are back. And then across the defense is really where, you know, we have Williams, Wheat, Peters, Armstrong, and Rivera are all back. Um, Now, that's not to say that those are the only players that will be back from the Hounds. Those are just the only players whose options we have picked up. So there are other players whose contracts have run out that the Hounds have said that they're trying to negotiate to try to bring them back, which they have done in previous years. I think Mm -hmm. they did that with Dover a few years ago where his contract, his option ran out and then they brought him back anyway. Um, So this may not be a guy like that from last season. He was on a new contract last season. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Rivera was back for a new contract last season. So, um, so first of all, just sort of impressions on that, Steve, what were your thoughts when you saw that list? I don't think there's anything that's a big surprise for me there. Um, I expected that. We had a ton of turnover last season. Um, <clears throat> this what, what I can't make out is uh, if this means anything or not, or is it just that this is a list of nine guys that uh, had options and played well this past season, so why would you not pick up those options, right? Like, like that's all I can take away from this. Like, I, Josh and I were having a discussion mostly on our Slack. Um, but there's a couple comments on the Steel Army Discord as well that went back and forth and other people were talking about, like, does this mean anything in terms of roster construction going forward? And there's just not enough information to understand where Bob's head is in terms of what he wants to do with contracts and whatnot from this. Like, it's nine guys that had options. All of these guys were 
playing a lot, especially at the end of the year, if you throw Armstrong in there, right? Like he was getting time at the end of the year. So um, what's interesting to me with this list is I was not big surprise, but slight surprise after all of the um, the hope and everything that Bob talked about in the offseason last year about Luis Perez, that he's not on this list. Yeah. Um, and he got a bit of time. Like, I think he played probably similar to the amount of time that Armstrong was playing. So um, that's the notable exception for me of players with options. Um, we still, we got a long offseason still ahead of us in terms of moving players around. So I want to talk a lot more. I just don't have a lot more to talk about until we know more about other players, who else is getting re-signed, who's getting signed from elsewhere. There's a lot of places that people can get signed from. So who knows who we're going to have? We might have a couple of uh, Dixons, Whartons, and Cicerones that we pick up from somewhere this offseason. And we'll see where we are at the beginning of the season. Yeah, for sure. Kev, was there anybody that you were surprised to see on this list? No, I think that's, I mean, Steve already kind of highlighted everything. I mean, the fact, these are, you know, option pickups, not necessarily contract re-signs or anything like that. So I think there's there's a lot of obvious things there. So you know, Cicerone and Dixon, it, I think, you know, I might have driven to Pittsburgh myself if they didn't get <laughs> their options picked up and protested outside <laughs> of the stadium because that was just the biggest no-brainer uh, ever um, on that stuff. Uh, I mean, the Louis Perez th- uh, shot is, is a good one. Steve, I, I mean, because not, I mean, I think he gets, I mean, I'm not looking at the minutes in front of me, but I, my hunch is he gets more than Armstrong. Um, and I just, I remember more like, I mean, some big moments. I mean, he, he helped define some games last season. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm quickly looking this up. It says he scored two goals last season. It felt like he scored more. Um, but, uh, you know, two goals and I think, yeah, had, had a positive impact, could play a lot of positions. I mean, he was one of the uh, people who would play it like, you know, left wing back sometimes in the midfield. I think one game he even played like a false nine or something. And um, so a really versatile player. So and, he, and it seemed like he kind of, you know, played a lot of the, you know, played a lot of games with his heart on his sleeve and played with a lot of passion. And um, so, yeah, that is that is an interesting one. Um, but I, I think going back and just kind of maybe giving giving more of the spotlight to the players that that did have their contract picked up. I mean, it's it's a it's just a really solid spine. Um, I mean, I know I know Dixon kind of made his name, especially towards the end of the season, and the kind of like right wing back role, and and just kind of made that right flank his. Um, but but him and Cicerone, you know, I would expect Forbes and Wharton to continue to to you know barring any kind of midweek game congestion or any injuries they would they would be the starting center midfielders maybe play three cool um and then you know that defensive line is really solid i mean you you could that that could be your back five right there um and there's and there's nothing wrong with that so um yeah really solid spine you know i i think we all kind of had questions around you know maybe one or two of the players in, in that defense um but I think you know another year and another year playing next to the same guys that they played with last season will only do them good. Another year maturing, um, and and another year under Bob. So yeah, I mean the, the, to have that defense all picked up, I think it's it's really encouraging. I think that's the biggest thing because yeah, Wharton, Forbes, Cicerone, and Dixon were kind of no brainers for me. But but to mm-hmm. see that 
all of those, including Veet. I mean, like I said before, I mean, I, I, Veet struggled last season, but in 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 certain scenarios. But I think a, a lot of responsibility was put on his shoulders, and um, you know, I think he showed a lot of bravery and courage in a lot of moments, and uh, and and willingness to kind of yeah play out with the ball. And so we'll see how that kind of progresses. But I'm 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 happy with it. Yeah, it will be interesting. I, I think just to touch on a couple of things there um you know the hounds have shown in the past that they are willing to keep an eye out for what's in the best interest of the players so there might have been a case where perez you know there were other suitors that came knocking and the hounds just sort of said okay you know we're not going to pick up your option we're going to let you roll and do your thing um Kev, you look like can I you speculate? Had, yeah, can, I mean, you're welcome a, to speculate. I, I this is probably I shouldn't even do this, but whatever. It's a podcast. It's close <laughs> to the end of the year. You know, this is what we're meant to do. Burn it all down, Kev. For like, Perez had the the kind of the 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 like I'm going down and I'm calling for fouls kind of thing where I think he was one of the few players on on the Hounds that were so explicit in that behavior. Present, no problem, feeling a little bit of contact and making sure the ref knew about it and talking to the ref and talking to the players. Like I and it seemed like he was kind of the only player on on like you I know. thought you like that though. Kevin. I do. No, hey, no problem with that. <laughs> I'm I'm all fine with that. But I, I wonder if it was more of just kind of a mismatch of personalities in the dressing room or, or with Bob or something. And he was like, you know what? I, you know, I, look, I know, Listen, this is huge speculation. I was so, going like, to say, I, I, yeah, I get it. Ah, go ahead, Mike. No, I was going to say, we, 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 there's my only, my only hesitancy with buying into that notion is that the few times that we did get a chance to talk to Bob over the course of the season, and we talked to him more this season than we have in past seasons because they started doing these regular Zoom uh, press conferences you know coach brought up Perez's name like unasked like a number of times saying like he's really showing up in practice he's really doing good things I think we're gonna get him a lot of good minutes and like you said he sort of progressed from being sort of that outside yeah. back to even at you know a certain point playing a false nine so it seemed like coach really liked him now who knows what actually happened at the end of the season but yeah I don't know I look at it more from the perspective of, uh, okay, so we take out the players who don't have options, right? Like um, there are a few players in the top 15 players uh, for the season um, that we're not going to talk about in that case, right? Like like we can't compare Griffin um, or Velarde in that sense because those are guys out of option, right? Like right. we may see them, we may not, we don't know. Those are unknowns. Um, we know Tommy's not coming back. Um, unless something miraculous happens because he was on loan. Um, and so you look, um, we know about something with, we've got an inkling with Vidiello. He's a keeper, count him out of the discussion, right? Like there's one other player above Perez that we haven't already talked about um, in terms of both games played and minutes played, and that's Killwine, right? Like, so you look at, like, I went and looked because Kev said it, right? Like, uh, Perez featured in 26 games. There's only six games all season that he didn't make an appearance. Um, he only played 800 minutes, basically, right? Like, whereas we look at Armstrong, played basically half as the number of games, 14, um, with 380 minutes, right? So, like, cut in half, we still re-signed him with the option. I Like, I, I just don't know how I can speculate on anything other than, like, 
maybe has nothing to do with Perez on the field or in the locker room. And it has something to do with he went to the team and said, hey, I don't want to be back. And if you pick up my option, I'm not coming back to the States, right? Like it could have been that type of thing where he went back home or something like that, right? But I look at just the data in front of me and if Kev's postulation is true, it just doesn't square with what we saw in the season in terms of the numbers. That doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean it is true, right? Like, so I'm just looking at it from a different perspective in that sense that he played a lot. Why would he play a lot if he wasn't getting along? I guess is yeah, my question. I, no, I like all those explanations. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like, I just have no idea. And yeah. it's a big, along with Killwine, a big, oh, surprise. Yeah. Killwine really dropped off at the end of the season. I mean, not not as, not in terms of necessarily form, but appear, like minutes. I, yeah. I feel like Killwine started uh, a lot more games at the beginning of the season and got a lot more time at the beginning and, of the season. And I don't know yeah. if that was an, a, a thing where, it's, you know, a, a system changed or whatever, because I think what, at, at the beginning of the season, we... Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I think we played more of a back four, and he was just playing like left back. Um, and then I, maybe he got a little lost um, in, in, in the kind of back five system. Well, yeah. And I think after um, uh, Williams and Peters settled back in uh, in the back line after the Gold Cup, like Kilwine, I don't think started more than two other times the rest of the season. And those were as a left back in a back four. Yeah. Um, I mean, he still played 30 games, though. I mean, he played yeah. all but two games. Like, that's something. Yeah. Yeah. Would, and the, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, the other thing to consider is, um, you know, we don't really know what Lily is, how Lily is approaching building the team in the offseason. Because mm-hmm. we all, I think, love a project. We all love to see a young guy come in, you know, about an unknown and, and turn him into something like a Louis Perez. But, Say that we choose not to sign a Louis Perez and we get another Alex Dixon in his place. Like, you can't really complain about that. And so Lily's just trying to put the best 11 on the field that he can. And it might just be something where he has his eyes set on somebody else. And so, you know, he's making these decisions. Um, Steve, you, you touched on it as well. You know, it seems like we do have a potential starting back five. But who they're playing in front of is going to be a big question mark because Danny Vitiello uh, came out on Twitter basically just like thanking the fans and and, uh, and and everybody. And it sounded very much like he's not going to be back. Jake Leaker's option was not picked up. So we're essentially keeperless at this point. Um, so it's sort of what we speculated two weeks ago when we had a show that Lily just he could pick up anybody and turn them into a golden glove. Um Somebody mentioned on Twitter that there were some rumblings of Vidiello potentially going to play in Germany, which would be awesome. Like, good hmm. for you, man. I, whether or not that's true or not, who knows? Um, but uh, but we did. I did see that and uh, and thought that was interesting. I so, mean, an old an old housekeeper is getting some time with City, you know. So that's right. Why not? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Put that I on your resume. Like, came through came through the Hounds organization. <laughs> that's a that's a thing for keepers now. <laughs> I think the the keeper thing, I, the more I think about it, I don't know. I I think it's less that like Lily just has a golden touch when it comes to like developing keepers. And I think it's more, I'm, I'm start, I think it's part of that. And I, I think it's, I think it's partly being in a Lily system and, and having a good team in front of you. But I, I don't know more and more as I'm watching the USL year in and year out uh, now over the past, what, five odd years, I think there's just a lot of, 
pretty decent keepers out there that like you can kind of get your hands on. And, mm -hmm. and I'm just more and more convinced of that. So I don't know. I've, I've never, I've never been worried about incoming keepers in the past and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really have a reason to start worrying about that. Now I do, I did like Danny. I did like, he's like dead. Like he's not, but like, <laughs> um, I, I just keep you know, bringing this thing down. I know. <laughs> I know, but um, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a good keeper. Um, I thought there, there were a few, there were a few games where, you know, he, he won us points and you know, that's what you want in your keeper. And he played, he played really well. That's what will be interesting is that, you know, we're talking about like, oh, yeah, you know, we're basically returning our entire back five. One of the things that Lily did talk about late in the season was that, like, we need to get better defensively. And we all sort of talked about the number of times per game that Vidiello basically had to come out and stand on his head to make a save. There was always that one or two plays per game where it was like, all right, Danny's going to make this save. It'll be very interesting to see what happens if you don't get a player that's as willing to come out and play the ball as a Vidiello in this sort of system and whether or not this defense has grown and gelled enough to eliminate, you know, the consistent number of chances that we saw like that per game. So I don't know. Um, Steve, it looked like you were about to yeah. say something. You, you, you're, it's, you're like hanging on to something. Like you want to let it no, go. With all respect to Danny, I, I just like, he's a good keeper. But he was mistake prone as well. Like, yeah, he yeah, yeah. made he made game saving yeah. plays at times. He also at times has made some mistakes that have cost us points, right? Like, and yeah. I think that that's the like both what Kevin said, but also pairing it with like that's the level of USL keepers, right? Like, like even the best ones in at this level, they're gonna win you games and they're gonna lose you games. And that's what it is, right? Like they're not top tier keepers. They can be very good. Yeah. And may go on to be even better. But Zach Steffen. Yeah. I, I was I was thinking Kyle Morgan, but yeah, Zach Steffen, right? Like, <laughs> like, I mean, you look at somebody like Kyle Morgan. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, we're never gonna replace him. And then we got, oh, what was his name that Vidiello supplanted last season? He oh, started yeah. the first eight games and Vidiello took the spot from him. There you go. Like I, the fact like, that like, huh. right. Like, like he was, he was, he was with Bob in Rochester, I think. And we re-signed him. Gomez. Um, oh, that's right. There yeah, you go. Yeah, I stopped yeah, long yeah. enough. Um, and then Vidiello took the job from him, right? Like we're going to be fine at that position. I, I'm most upset about it because it's just like, I really like Danny. He, he seemed like a really genuine guy. Like yeah. when you talked to him in the off season last year, like, um, I, I mean, I guess maybe, all of the interviews last off season were fantastic, but like, I really enjoyed his off season interview last year and getting to hear who he was a lot more. Yeah, for sure. Um, our buddy, John, who is USL tactics on Twitter, uh, he put together uh, essentially his list of, and he's, he's still updating it, but his value retained table. So for every team in the league, he's going through and he's seeing, okay, who is it? The team's re-signed, what is their contribution level to the team? And then sort of like weighs that to get a sense of, you know, how much value is being returned year over year for each team. When you look at the East currently, there's five teams that haven't officially announced who they've resigned yet, but out of the rest of the teams in the East, uh, he's speculating again, this is all just, you know, conjecture, but the hounds have returned 67 and a half percent of their value from last year. 
which is the highest out of every team. You know, we've talked for previous seasons about how Louisville always returns like their core and, their, and, 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 you know, that's one of the things that leads to a lot of success for them. They've returned almost 60%. We're at 67. Uh, Indy's returning 50. Birmingham's returning 61. And so John went ahead and you so sort of made the connection that uh, it'll be interesting to sort of see that the top teams in the East seem to be returning a lot of talent um, and, uh, and there is a discussion to be had there about, you know, is it, is it more about, uh, keeping players together for multiple years so that they have a chance to gel and, and, and grow as a team, or is it more about going out and getting the right collection of players? And I think we had that conversation a lot in the last off season because of how few players we brought back. Um, so it will be interesting to sort of see this every year it feels like lily sort of flips the script a little bit where we think we know what he's going to do and then he doesn't do it. he does something else entirely so it will be interesting to sort of see how this all shakes out and it'll be interesting to see what other players he chooses to bring in in terms of building out what the roster is ultimately going to look like so um do you guys have any sort of I, I know we could probably have this conversation for hours but do you guys have any thoughts i guess steve i'll start with you on this whole like keep players versus, versus going out and signing new ones each year I, I think it's got to be a little bit of both. Um, keep the guys that are making the biggest impact and look for guys that can push those guys out. Like I was thinking about it when you were talking about uh, Videlo moving on. You talked about five defenders in front of him, right? Like um, what we don't know is if those five defenders are going to be starting next season. Sure. We may go find someone like a dixon that takes one of those spots right like if you had told me at this point last season that take the injury out of the equation in that sense but like that jordan dover would have played as little bit as he did i would have said you needed to be admitted to a mental institution right like and it's not that dover wasn't playing well but it's that other people stepped up and yeah. made his automatic spot not an automatic spot anymore right like that may happen again. Um, so, so I think, yeah, like we've got a real strong core that we're bringing back and we may bring back some more and make it even stronger. And we may not even see all of those people starting as regularly a year from now. Agreed. Kev, do you have any thoughts on the whole, like keep more, yeah. keep less? Does it matter? I mean, I think it does matter. Um, you know, I've, I've heard listening to like, player interviews all across the world in different leagues. The the example that draws in my head just because I am a Liverpool fan and I've I've seen some what? Salah. Wait, hold on. What, who? <laughs> you you're a Liverpool fan? What do you want me to do in the future? Do you want me to just like not admit that? <laughs> like and just not say that? <laughs> um, did you, did Kevin, you how like many how times have you ever heard me talk about being a Chelsea fan? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's aside, in the picture aside from right the, now. The <laughs> behind you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was uh, I was watching um, some Sala interviews, and on on more than one occasion just this season, he's brought up the fact that um, you know he's been with these guys for like four plus years now, and he, and he's like, it goes out his way to say this, like. We know each other a lot better now. We're still around each other for another season. We we know each other's, you know, play styles and everything. I mean, you know, to pull that out when you're not explicitly being asked about it, I think is is relevant. Um, and in like he's the example that comes to mind, but I've heard other players kind of say, like, no, it's a thing. You know, you know, especially 
I, I felt like as the season went on, you know, Dixon and Cicerone, just seeing with my own eyes, it seemed like they clicked a lot more with each other. They trusted, they trusted each other a lot more um, by, by making just kind of quicker decisions and knowing that the other one will react in time. And um, so I, I think it's a thing, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, like there's, there's no point in, in keeping maybe like average um, value in your, in your squad just for the sake of, you know, I don't know, uh, player familiarity. So I, yeah, I agree with Steve. It is a mix, but I I think it's something that we haven't seen. I think for me, it's something we haven't seen enough of in the past. And, and I think, you know, this amount of retention with this quality of retention, I think is, I'm happy. Like it was an easy decision with options, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how it all shakes out because I do think that when you, for some, and somebody who knows a lot more about stats is going to be like, shut up, Mike, you don't know what you're talking about. Part of me feels like it's more important from when you're dealing with midfields and forward, forward players because of that interplay and that connection and the quick, like, I know I don't even have to look players can be making this run. Whereas when you're on defense, you might have a little bit more time um, to sort of make some decisions in terms of moving the ball around. It might be easier to slot in. Um, so we will see uh, for sure. But I, you know, I'm, I'm fully anticipating Tampa is going to return a bunch of their players because they went to the finals this year. They did it last year. To, to sort of see us do this in an era with a lot of these big teams that you see success coming off the back of returning a lot of these players, I think will be very interesting. Um, and I mean, I think like th- this comment is a lazy comment that I'm about to make, but I mean, if just from a purely kind of numbers perspective, when on, on things like player retention or value retention, you know, yeah, I want to be around where Louisville is. <laughs> That's, and so, the, you know, if, that's that's good to hear that we are uh, you know to, to me if anything i would you know if louisville only retain uh, 10 or 15 percent of it whoa all right let's see what happens with louisville next season so yeah i mean i think it's, it's no mystery that you know when 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 teams perform i think i think the thing that we've gotten away with it in the past and bob tends to get away with it where he's probably better at keeping less players and outperforming other managers who do similar things. Um, and so I think maybe the question mark, at least in past seasons is, okay, well, what happens if he, if he could retain, um, you know, top talent in the squad and, and, you know, barring potentially one or two players that, you know, still might be, might be resigned. I think, you know, with all these options, he's retained for me the top quality in, in the squad. So that's that's really encouraging. Agreed. Yeah, guys, let's uh, let's talk about a couple of other things here. Um, first up, uh, big in the news was that MLS has announced what their Division Three is going to be called, and it's going to be called MLX MLS Next Pro Max Plus Super League. Um, no, it's just MLS Next Pro. Um, which like shocker that it's a mouthful. Um, they have announced uh, the teams that will be playing in 2022. Uh, one of the very interesting things that came out is that uh, the Rochester team um, owned by Jamie Vardy will be playing in this league, which if anybody can explain to me the logic behind that, um, I am all ears because 
essentially what this is, is this is a league for all of the, what, you know, what we've called to this point, the MLS two teams that have been playing in the USL, which means that in terms of how many people are going to be in the stands and the draw and how many people are going to be watching this on TV, it's probably going to be next to none. And Rochester is voluntarily being the only independent team that isn't affiliated with MLS team. That's that like, final. Yeah. Like there's no more teams being entered into this. I, 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 they may add some more, but as of right now, Rochester is the only independent team that's participating. But from the standpoint of trying to grow a fan base, from the standpoint of trying to grow a market and increase revenue and do all of that, from the standpoint of trying to make a case for potentially moving to something like MLS, I joining <laughs> joining this MLS next pro whatever it's called as the only independent does not make a case for any of those so I'm not really sure what their goal is here um you know I, I feel bad for the Rochester fans because I feel like you know they first of all they scrapped the rhino's name which is sort of sacrilegious in and of itself but second of all you know now they're saying like we're not even gonna play against teams like Pittsburgh or Detroit or um, you know, Louisville, we're going to be playing against all of these MLS two teams, um, which they're not even going to play New York Red Bulls two for another season. They're sticking around in the USL. So like, it's, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But Steve, do you have any thoughts on the whole MLS so crap you, show? You started to talk about the, uh, wanting to potentially get to MLS. And I'm wondering if, uh, well, I want to step back. Did you see the crappiness of the next pro yes. logo? First of all, yes. okay, learn to find a font. Come on, guys. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll I'll step away from that. Um, <laughs> uh, but so I mean, MLS has made it really clear that they don't want to be involved in the USL, and they are doing everything they can to extricate themselves from the relationship with the USL. So I am I am wondering if a team like Rochester that thinks they have an outside shot at an MLS franchise. This is kind of the path they have to follow to get in with MLS. And if it doesn't work out, then they say, yeah, we'll go to division three or two in the USL, but we're going to take our shot here because MLS is saying, Hey, if you go that way first, we're not going to look at you. That's the only thing I can think of that. Like this is an MLS term. That's like, if you want us to look at you, you got to be in our league or you got to be coming from nowhere. But if you're coming from USL, we're not looking at you. I, I get that sentiment, but at the same time, I could see MLS taking that stance, but at the same time, MLS has no choice but to look towards USL because they need somebody, I shouldn't say that, they need somebody that's going to foot their crappy, you know, multi-bajillion dollar new team fee every year, and they want a location that they know can sustain a team, and so they're looking at different locations. Now, you know, we just saw with Charlotte where like Charlotte had a USL team for years and the MLS just came in and was like, oh, yeah, you're a proven market. Yoink, we're going to drop a team right here. It's not we're going to take the independence and make them the team. We're just going to drop them right here. Now there's, you know, rumors of Las Vegas has the potential of getting an MLS team, not taking the not taking the USL team that's there and moving them up, but just creating an MLS team in Vegas. So maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it's less of this like you know, there's already a team in the market. Mm -hmm. It's if you prove that there's a market, we're just going to come in and swoop in and say that we're the, the number one division and mm -hmm. 
so people will support us instead and we're just going to sink your ship yep. so hmm. yeah yeah i mean i think it's uh, to me if i'm rochester i don't know I, I i think the mls would want well would they i don't know i i was gonna say the mls would want rochester in this league like most likely if, if anything just i mean i'm like i clicked on their website like not even halfway down the page they're getting into Rochester, Rochester NYFC with a bold Jamie Vardy of Leicester City FC. I mean, like, you know, that sure it's minor, but it's a thing. I don't know. I mean, it's like probably the MLS would want them want them in this league. And yeah, I mean, if you're Rochester, you I, I think you only make this decision if you think the long term. Well, if you're thinking long term, the long term kind of yeah health of the MLS is better than the USL. Um, to think that, you know, maybe they're getting noise from MLS be like, no, 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 don't worry. Like we have this grand 20 year vision where we, we will eventually do this. We'll have this huge network of teams all over the U S that'll be connected and blah, blah, blah. And don't worry about being in a league, with just two teams. Now that'll eventually be relegated to another thing. And just, just, you know, be in our ecosystem mm -hmm. and, and that'll be better for you. Um, and don't worry, like the USL is poison to us. We're never going to, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to deal with them at all. So if you believe that the main soccer institution of the US is the MLS, then like come hang your hat on us and, and we'll grow together. I, I, I understand all of that. But, you know, when you also look at this, uh, it makes me wonder why is the MLS even creating this league? Like it's not for revenue. Because we already know that people aren't showing up to watch these two teams play. So why are they creating a third division if it's control. not – what's that? They control it. I, USL is outside of their control. I, I, I think it's that simple. They want to control their own structure. I yeah, get it. Like if you, I if get you it, but they're not. Was... They're not going to institute pro rel through this. Why not? Because you're not going to. You're, you're not going to. You're not going to take NY. You know, New York Red Bulls two and promote them up to MLS. You're right, but they can, they can deal with that, like how other you know leagues in the in the world have. Um, you know, I, 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 it. Going back to just a purely a kind of subjective outlook on things. If you are the MLS as an institution, and you and you really just don't you know, want to be associated at all with the USL, it, it would be a huge thorn in your side as an executive to know that you have MLS two teams in the USL. Um, like you just, yeah, it's just for like cleanliness of the ecosystem, right? I mean, like, I, you know, I keep using these like tech terms or whatever, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so I, yeah, I think Steve makes a good point with that, with kind of keeping everything siloed and in, in-house and in, in control. But I think also, yeah, it gives them flexibility. I mean, like, I, it would, it would be, it would be curious to know, like my, my hunch is they don't necessarily, they, they don't, they had their druthers. They, they wouldn't have necessarily created this, this third tier and dumped a bunch of two teams into it. I think if they had their druthers, it would be essentially like a bunch of independent clubs like Rochester in a third tier. Um, and just, and that would be the thing. Um, and, and, you know, maybe they're just putting the structure in place for now and they have visions and plans to either try to attract people from the USL or just create new clubs around and, and do it that way. But I think it puts the, it gives them the structure to potentially grow um, 
further grow independently from from the USL and gives them a bit more room and gives them a bit longer runway to, to kind of execute on plans that they might want to execute on. Steve, do you think the USL should be worried about this? Um, I don't think the USL should be worried about this in the short term. What I do wonder about is in the midterm, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years, are we going to have a massive clashing of heads between MLS and USL? Because sure, I think it's early in what could lead to that, but everything that I'm seeing makes me think that, uh, both leagues are working to differentiate themselves and move in different directions from the other league in different ways. And so what does that mean? I mean, maybe the USL is confident that we've got the long-term position as the division two team, or maybe long-term, like we're looking to push USL to be a division one competitor. I I don't know that necessarily. Um, I, I just, in my perspective, see a lot more moving apart compared to what we've seen in the past. And I think this is just a indication of that, that a organization coming into the U.S. again, or coming back, right, um, with a semi-well-known star, like in the ownership group, has to make the decision. Um, And I got to put myself in like a Jamie Vardy and the other investor's shoes, right? Like, like, what do I want to be in? Do I want to be in the division two or do I want to be in the division one in 10 years? And I'm picking the division one if I'm in that position, right? Like, so you, your original question was, why would you play in this league if you're Rochester? That's the only, like, as I, cause I've thought about this, like since the news and I'm like, yeah, why would you? And that's the only like cohesive, perspective I can come up with in my own isolated perspective of why Rochester might make that like that that's my conspiracy theory or my postulation right like this is my time to um, take wild guesses at things I have no idea about I think it is really complicated because like I mean we we all I mean we we intuitively understand it by being USL fans and having a team we support in the USL as well. I mean, when, and we've discussed this in the past, but it is a very awkward situation for the USL because I think right, like no other, I mean, well, I'm, I'm sure there is probably, but no other country that I can think of in the world has like two equally, but different leagues, right. In, in soccer. So I think, I think it's probably a, a more difficult job for the USL to push their current ceiling higher than it is for the MLS to just continue to kind of like grow its basement, if that makes sense. Like the MLS already has the clout. Like there's their ceiling is much higher than the USL's and they don't have to push it. I mean, the USL's main job is how do we increase the uh, prestige of the USL? That's really hard to do. For the MLS, their job is to, all right, well, how do we kind of incorporate more teams and grow our network? That's easier to do, probably. So I, I think it is, I'm, I'm kind of with Steve. I I don't think this setup is probably sustainable unless both leagues are fine with it. And I don't think that's the case. I think both are still kind of jockeying. Like, I think it... If, if both the MLS and the USL have like good working relationships with each other and you're like, you know what, you guys have your market, that's great. 
we have our market and that we want to do and that's great and we're going to coexist that's then cool i think that'd be fine but I, like that's not the case you know we we've seen examples of that time and time again and um and so i think you know if if there will be eventually one winner you know <laughs> I, gotta, I don't see the usl overtaking the mls you know i think the best thing we could hope for as usl fans is a sustainable coexistence between leagues because yeah i, I mean i don't i don't see the usl overtaking the mls in the next 15 years i think uh <laughs> we, want- we were downers <laughs> no i <laughs> I think I, I don't disagree with you guys that sort of the the setup for what this league is now is necessarily what they want the league to be in 10 to 15 years. But right now, the argument that they're trying to make is they have another program that's beneath this, that's for youths, that where basically you could start there. And the, the way they're selling this is that this is a feeder program to get up to these MLS teams. And so if your goal is that you want to develop talent so that they play through your system so that you can eventually sign them for cheaper and you maybe get around the whole, um, you know, bring in players from the outside or we have a draft or anything like that. You can sort of have your own homegrown players and all of that. If that's the goal, then we're talking about something different than having a league whereby you promote teams up and down because then you would still have to have this other league somewhere for these younger players to play. It's like in Europe, you have, you know, or in England, you have your pro team and then you have your U 23s. Mm-hmm. And so you might have some players that play on your pro team, but they also go down to get more minutes on the U 23s. Cause it's really important that you get minutes. That's how you prove yourself and get back up to speed so that you can step into the pro team. And if that's what this league is supposed to be, then it can't also be a promotion relegation type of system. So I think MLS needs to figure out what it is that they want to be. And right now they're selling this as this, this system where they could bring in players who aren't ready for MLS, train them up and hopefully push them up through. Um, and but so you look at like Spain though, where they do a similar type of relationship with their B teams, right? But their B teams play in the second and third division. Right. So I like, I can see what you're saying, but I can also see like there's another model that works yeah. in other parts of, Europe that is more of a hybrid model, not just a U23 setup. Yeah. The The other news that uh, that came out, well, it's, it's not entirely like news news, but this week the USL is having their annual conferences where they bring all the owners and, and league officials together. And there was a lot of speculation uh, two weeks ago where originally they said that they were considering putting up ProRel and potentially moving from a spring to fall schedule to fall to spring up for a vote. Now it seems like they're walking that back and they're saying that they're just going to talk about it. But, you know, we're having this discussion about how does USL differentiate itself from MLS. And both of those things would be, you know, huge deviations from what MLS does and pull the league much more in line with what people expect on a world level. Um, considering that MLS, you know, has pulled this out and said that we're creating this league. Do you guys think that there's anybody in that room that's saying like, we got to do these things sooner rather than later? I think as fans, you know, we can have the argument all day about, you know, should pro rel be here, be not, not be here. Um, and same thing with the fall to spring schedule. But I'm just interested in, in your guys' take on both of those things and whether or not, you know, the USL needs to maybe move a little bit quicker now that MLS is putting the squeeze on them. Kev, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, 
I think, I will say, you don't want to move quickly at the expense of making really bad mistakes that then is difficult to roll back. And I think on the whole, the, the messaging coming out of the USL has been make it responsible. Um, like I think they've acknowledged some of the things that, that could be changed as far as policies and cool, whatever. Um, but you know, this can't be a situation where it's just reactionary and, and just waiting to, to, to see what the MLS does and then responding to it in kind. So, yeah, I mean, I would like to see changes now. Well, the, the, the only, the only difficult is thing is, you know, I, I think sitting, sitting in the background of all of this is, um, you know, is COVID and, and it's not exactly the easiest time for clubs to hear, Hey, we're making a huge institutional change and X, Y, Z, here's the new policies that you need to follow. Um, you know, I, I, we went <laughs> speaking personally, like, you know, throughout the whole COVID thing, working remotely, like my institution that I work for went through a whole like restructuring organization. And it, like, it made a lot of people angry. We're like, what the hell? Like, I don't, we don't like, there's enough stress going on right now. I don't want to deal with this and this and that. And, um, and so I can see that being a, a difficult thing where like clubs are, you know, probably, you know, less stable financially than they were three years ago. Um, they might be like, some clubs might be better off than they were three years ago, but it, it could be maybe like slimmer margins or whatever. Um, so I think that's that's something that's just in the background that we're not really privy to. But um, but I guess the kind of to kind of wrap up some like some of the earlier thoughts too. I think the only the 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 plan that could see the USL thrive is if the MLS just accepted. Look, we're the premier institution of soccer in the U.S. We have you know a closed door like the NFL. No more clubs in. These are our clubs, and this is where you go for the you know. 80,000 seater stadium um, with, you know, big TV contracts and, you know, and it has 25, 30 teams in it or whatever. Um, and then you have this huge other broad network because the U S is huge <laughs> and has a lot of, you know, kind of second cities um, that has in that the USL captures where, you know, we are hitting, average attendance, you know, stadiums are hitting average attendances of, you know, 5,000, 6,000, and we're all about the same. And, you know, we have Perel, we mix, and there's a lot of like satellite towns that, that are involved and, and, and it could work like that. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's the best, uh, that's, that's the future that the OHL should be, should be kind of pushing for. Steve, what do you think? Um, so Prorel, I think is an inevitability in usl um i'll qualify that with saying if for some reason jake edwards is ever not uh in charge of usl then maybe that goes away uh, but i think that's that's something that he's pushing he's going to get his way with that um the schedule change i think is really really intriguing of an idea that we won't see happen at all because it just costs so much money for some of the northern teams um to be able to deal with that right like like we look at the like a map of say just the usl championship right like um there are a lot of teams where playing in uh mid-december and late january is not going to be an issue um but are you telling me you want to be at a hounds game 
this coming Friday, like, sure, it's been 50 degrees the past few days during the day, but it's cold at night. Like, I'm sitting there, I'm bundling up, I'm putting the winter gloves on, like, the, the like, nice, like, really warm hat, right? Like, when I take Rory for his walk at night, like, because it's cold. I don't want to be sitting down at Highmark Stadium in that. And we're not the most northern team, nor are we um, the team that gets the worst weather. Um, so to make it comfortable to actually be able to survive a Hounds game in December on the Mon, I just like, I don't think the USL teams have the kind of money that is necessary to do that. And I think like, like I was watching the Champions League game, we won't talk about the outcome of it, but we'll just talk about that it was in Zenit, um, St. Petersburg, right? Like, and they were talking about, oh yeah, the retractable roof is on and the heat is on, right? Like, like. Sure, completely different level team playing in the Champions League, but it's like that's what it takes to play in a place that's really cold. Yeah. There are places that are really cold in the USL. They don't have the money to do that type of stuff. Yeah. What's the infrastructure like at like Heinz Field and the Steelers and everything? Like I know I'm comparing apples to oranges here. Like this sure. it's a it's whole other level and open stadium, but it's what every other week? Yeah. Your football friends are crazy. <laughs> I would be curious. I mean, I totally get it too. Yeah. I mean, like there, it sounds so, especially for the kind of, um, you know, there's like every team in every sport has kind of just different categories of fans and, and fans that get different things out of the experience of going there. Um, you know, I think a, 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 an advantage and a selling point for a hounds is, the afford the affordability and the location and, and like you know the aesthetic of of Highmark, sure like it's it would be super easy to if if you lived in that area and it's like seventy six degrees and it's a nice breezy night off the mon and you have the sure it's like go down and pay the ticket and just sit there and have a nice little like you know just watch the game yeah you're not gonna attract that at in in December so I do get that. Um, However, I don't know. I do want to just see the hounds playing snow. And I, like, <laughs> I want to see that orange ball on that field while I'm sitting in my Knoxville apartment. And uh... yeah, no, I think I think those are all valid points. I think that I, Steve, I agree. I think that pro roll is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And Kevin, I agree with your point of like this may not be the time to do it no matter how much you want to do it just from a financial responsibility standpoint. And I, I agree that I think that USL's approach of saying, you know, MLS, you, you be the top league, we're going to gather up everything else that's underneath it has been fruitful thus far. Now we'll see. I mean, every year you're, you're seeing two or three teams drop out of the league or move up, or there's always that shuffle. So at some point, you know, will it ever stabilize? Maybe not. Um, but uh, yeah, I agree. I, the, the point about, you know, the Steelers and NFL, excuse me, I think is a valid point. And I do think that part of it is that we as soccer fans are just used to a spring to fall schedule. And if, you know, you have a whole new soccer fan or you have a new fan that comes in and we're like, oh yeah, we play fall to spring. And they're just like, oh, so you like bundle up and go to the games and you go, yeah, they would just sort of accept that as normal. Um, but I, I 100% agree with and sympathize with the fact that, you know, these these clubs in England, some of the clubs in England and, and all over the world, especially the Champions League clubs, 
invest in making that as comfortable a situation as can be for fans, which is just not a possibility for the USL. So it will be very interesting to sort of see because it feels like the powers that be for the USL might really be pushing because they might see the writing on the wall of MLS and saying, like, this is what we need to do. And on the flip side, you might see owners who are sort of cash strapped and saying, like, we we know this is what we need to do. But unless you're going to start forking over all the money to do it, we just can't. So um, or sometimes just like, yeah, just even if it's not like policy changes that require extra financial resources in the clubs just sometimes the the reorganization of things is just a you know a pain like to, to go through and sometimes you just want to minimize that in, in the current climate um oh there was going to be one oh the last thing i was going to say i do think if you you know the usl like they like they have to be pissed that rochester isn't coming to the usl right there no one no one in that boardroom is saying ah we don't need them like that whatever like that that's a that's a good that's a good institution and you know jamie vardy backing it that's a nice little flashy thing um that's annoying (laughs) and it's frustrating that they didn't go look i think it's a huge plus that they got detroit this year i think they're going to look at that as a big win I think if they could have got Rochester, it would have been a really good off season for them, but you're right. They didn't get Rochester. I think part of the, I think part of the, the, the shine from Rochester would have been if the rhinos were coming back, I think there's a historic name that's associated with it. They could tie that to the league, but I think the fact that they went ahead and changed the name takes just a little bit of the sting out of it. Cause it doesn't feel like the same team or the organization. It's just another team that's in Rochester, but yeah, I mean, when you're the USL, you want all the teams you can get. So, yeah, yeah, I think left them all. Yeah, yeah I was exactly. the USL. The USL's advantage is volume. The MLS yep. advantage is quality. Yeah, I wouldn't. Even, well, yeah, okay, we will say quality. I would say the the MLS's advantage at this point is TV rights. That's what it is, because TV rights equals money. Money equals buying power for players, and then you have players. Um, and you have the perceived notion of being the best product in the league, which, you know, I don't really watch MLS. So, like, I, I'm not one to to judge, but I'm sure that, um, you know, if if Justin or Josh were here, they'd probably say, like, no, Mike, MLS is a heck of a lot better <laughs> than USL. But, yeah. yeah. So you remember that guy from uh, Loudoun that – scored the goals um, against us, um, Giovanni Bolivar. Mm-hmm. He didn't even get picked up by DC, right? Like, like that's the the gap that this was a guy that DC signed um, hoping that he would pan out. And he played well for Loudon against a top team like the Riverhounds. Nope, not even, not even on their radar going into next season. Yeah. But that just yeah. for, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this forever. I was gonna say that just that just further makes me question why what is this MLS next pro thing then? Like if you're gonna have this whole thing for this player, yeah. like you you literally you're you're trying to find the one in a hundred players yep. that you're like, yeah, you're gonna be a, a you know 70 minute substitute for us. Like yep. cool, it, and we save some money. It's to get them in a more competitive environment outside of the academy. Yeah. 
That's say, I'm like, honestly, like one in a hundred might like financially actually work out fine for them. <laughs> That's no <laughs> issue. <laughs> like if they have a strike rate of a one in a hundred, like financially, they'd be like, great. We just paid for our, you know, our existence. All right, cool. Like, you know, for that second tier, you know, not the entire club, obviously. But. Yeah, but like, that's not true. Because you could you could go off and <laughs> sign a player for $150,000 to be that seventh man or, or be that 70th minute sub instead of supporting an entire second team with players and payroll and all of that. But so, I, will say, I mean, we're, we're making up numbers here. I mean, I know that's... <laughs> Nobody, like, <laughs> no 70th minute sub in MLS is making like $5 million. I know. Whatever that. the cost is to support a US, or an MLS 2 team. <laughs> I don't have the numbers. Like, I don't have the numbers. So I can't, I know. like, I, can't, I know. Like, and I'm throwing numbers at like the two numbers guys. So I need to just yeah. like, but, but, but it's not. The, the the thing to add to that though is it's not just do they come in as your 70th minute sub? It's do you turn around and you've got the rights to these guys? Oh, and look. The River Hounds took this guy on loan last year, and they really want to keep him. We'll sell him, right? Like, 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 if Tommy Williamson had been available, would you not be clamoring to have him bought, right? Like, but if he were that guy that could be the 70th minute sub, or he get sold to the USL or some other league around the world, right? Like, it's not just who they bring up to their senior team in MLS. It's how they market that and sell those players on to the third tier of Belarus. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't look who you're talking to. I mean, Chelsea is Chelsea are masters at this. It's just yeah. justifying their entire academy existence yeah. by this huge loan systems and yep. just pulling in a bunch of young players and everything. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> And Mike's a Villa fan, and he hates this. So I guess <laughs> it totally makes sense. I want to keep all the young Get players. some of that dirty oh. Russian oil money, Mike. <laughs> uh, We're not quite as bad as the Saudi geez. oil money. <laughs> Your old oil money. Yep, yep, yep. Like just how I like it. <laughs> Well, I think I think that'll about do it for us. Um, I don't think we will be back. Well, we, we won't be back until at least after Christmas, and we'll see based on what's going on. We have a lot of topics that we mentioned in our last show that we want to talk about. Kev, you still have your, like, delaying a throw-in is as bad as diving for a PK <laughs> discussion, yeah, which Laura Ellen, Laura Ellen's pulling up numbers, man. She's coming, like, guns a-blazing uh, for this. So, like... <laughs> I don't know if she's for or against you. We'll have to I'm happy, that I'm, out, I'm happy to lose. I don't care. Yeah. I think it'd be a fun conversation. Yeah, so we still have to have that. We might save that for right after Christmas. Um, but if you guys have any thoughts or anything you want us to talk about, let us know if there's anybody you'd like us to talk to. Typically, once we get into January is when we start lining up all of the interviews and things like that. Steve, you referenced, uh, you know, we talked with Vidiello. We talked with Jordan Dover last year. We talked with a bunch of the guys. So if there's anybody that you want us to talk to, let us know. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Mongols. I guess, guys, other than that, is there anything else that uh, you guys wanted to mention or talk about here? We're good. All good. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Hopefully, everybody has a safe and happy holiday. If we don't talk to you, you know, until after New Year's as well, have a safe and happy New Year's. Make sure you head over to mongols.com, click on support the show to become a Patreon follower. Weak reminder that Black Lives Matter. Um, roughneck scarves, you know, 
wait, where am I? Hold on. Sorry. Where do we go? There we go. Thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to USL, MLS, and US soccer. The custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Looking for more great USL news? Head over to BGN.FM where we've now got over 100 fans that are writing and podcasting about the beautiful game. Lots of great features that go up on the site every single week. Go check them out at BGN.FM. Otherwise, thank you, everybody. We will talk to you, as always, very, very soon. Cheers. See ya.